Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And welcome to Headstrong. My name is Louis Strong and I host this podcast. This is a podcast where I sit down with a number of people in the public eye to talk to them about their lives and their careers. But notably, I like to talk to them about their vulnerabilities to understand what the word headstrong means to them. Now, joining me on this episode of Series 8 are a brotherly duo, AJ and Curtis Pritchard. We had a chat about both of them leaving their respective shows, Strictly and Love Island, and the mental health support that there is for these shows. We also talked about what it's like being self-employed and having your brotherly support growing up in the industry. So I really hope you enjoy this episode of Headstrong. But first... A quick note from our sponsors, RCK Partners. RCK Partners specialise in helping UK businesses claim R&D tax relief across the engineering, agricultural and tech space. If you'd like to find out about this valuable source of funding for your business, head to rck.partners or follow the link in the podcast description. That's rck.partners. AJ and Curtis, thank you so much for joining me on Headstrong. How are we both doing? Hello, hello, hello. Very well, thank you. And yourself? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Not too bad. How's the summer been, boys? Yeah, it's been, um, well, it's been very hot recently. Let's just put it like that, actually. We've actually had the odd one or two heat waves. So, uh, it's been one or nice two? Summer. I feel like I've been abroad the whole time. It's, it's, it's awful. I'm in the flat here, roasting like a turkey in the oven it's crazy i've actually <laughs> i know the camera's on but i've never seen you so brown age yet. well uh, this this tan not that anybody can really see right now because you're listening but i have gone away to turkey for one week because i felt like i needed a week away and i've come back well you know when you go away you like you come back a whole nother person and this i'm gonna top up from the british tan to a turkey tan i feel like i'm a new person 
The problem is it just looks like you've missed parts of your body where you've sunbathed. You've either just done your front or your back or your sides are white and everything still, AJ. <laughs> I did only sunbathe to get the front brown. That's the, that's the part that I see. It's the only bit that matters. Yeah, no, what's no, the no. point? No, no, no. If you look in the mirror and you go, yeah, I can see that bit. No one looks in the mirror and goes, oh, my back's looking dark. <laughs> no chance. If um, you do, it's usually a bad sign. It's like, oh, I'm burnt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's going, where's the aloe vera? <laughs> well, um, have you? Do you guys go away together ever, or are you are you strictly right, holidays are time to get away from the brother? You know what? Actually, bar this year, we've always been to wait, been away together. Like I've sort of third wheeled you. Well, if it you usually and Abby works out away. like as a business thing. Like we're working here, we're working there, so we can fit a week in at the exact same time because we work together. So um, we have to go away together, and then that usually is like well, ever. Uh, Buy one, get one free sort of ticket, it feels like. So <laughs> it's usually like a tag-along scenario. So normally I'm the third wheel I was on the holidays, yeah. But now, um, no, you went on your own this time, didn't you? So, yeah, you got rid of me, finally, 26 yeah. years later. Mate, yeah, Curtis, I needed what's, that. What's it like being back in the flat, man? Yeah, it's, um, it, it's more furnished than mine. Let me just put it like that. Mine is still, I don't have a sofa yet. So I'm currently on deck chairs, which were in your flat when you first moved in here, which were in another flat before you moved that in That I originally here. bought. Yeah, from Ikea. They've lasted about eight years now, and I'm sat on them watching TV at the minute. I've got an Ikea table that was 20 quid. And I mean, I've had this for 10 years. It looks brand new. I mean, you, you can't beat it at that price. You, you know what? Ikea is it's fabulous. <laughs> Not a sponsor of this whatsoever, but Ikea, you're pretty good. <laughs> my, my, some, some of my friends at university, they used to do like a, a pre-drinks game where they'd go to the Ikea and they'd play hide and seek. No way. <laughs> yeah, so that's epic. Like, and they'd be there for like four hours. No. <laughs> it was unbelievable. That's like, actually what? such a good idea. I know. I was like, why is Tom late? And they're like, yeah, he's still hiding in the cupboard <laughs> in like zone three. I'm like, what? Still in the wardrobe aisle. <laughs> yeah, literally. It's unbelievable. But um, so both of you are now self-employed. So you, AJ, you've left Strictly two years ago. Curtis, you're out the villa, my friend. Yes. Got to <laughs> bring you back to reality. Um, but you're, you're, I, I would define you're self-employed, right? Yes. So, yeah, Definitely. What does that look like then in terms of day-to-day -day structure and routine? Because do you, are you guys that crave routine and have to fill that kind of structure to make your lives kind of like more, more structured? I feel like we should start this podcast by saying myself and Curtis, we may have been brothers. We are, well, maybe. I mean, <laughs> we are brothers. brothers. We are. Brothers. Uh, we've been brought up exactly the same, but we do everything completely different. I mean, we are yin and yang and it, was what works so well when we're on stage, when we're performing, when we're working together, because I crave that kind of structure. And if I haven't got that structure, I go do lally. I, I can't focus. I can't, I can't get things done. I have to put a structure into the day. Even if I've got nothing that day, I have to say, well, I'm going to wake up. Even when I was on holiday, for example, I would put a half an hour timer on every half an hour so i knew how long i'd sunbathe for when i could go for a swim and then when i'd go get a drink i mean that's Sounds how like my brain works life, AJ. But literally i i i literally could not focus if i haven't got that structure so every day like before the podcast today i was like i have to get up i have to go to the gym i'll run back i'll have a shower i'll be prepared to sit down do the podcast and then i've got my whole day planned out even though i've got no what people would say go to work do a job but i'm going to sit down and do like, here's an hour planning this 
kind of what I'd want to do if I was going to do a tour. And then here's another hour of planning of what I'd want to do. Like we've got our YouTube channel, Bros Talk Supercars, like some videos for that. And I, I have to do everything. So for me, structure is what keeps me sane. It's what keeps me ticking. Where I, I like to have a structure. Don't get me wrong. I love a structure there if somebody's created the structure. Me to create my own structure for myself. Sometimes, um, I don't want to say I'm lazy because I'm not, I'm a hard worker, but I don't always create the structure, which sometimes means I don't do the work. So yeah, I'm a hard worker, but I don't always have structure. It, let's say you didn't have something in the diary, Curtis. Do you reckon you would happily lie until 11? Mm, back to the matter it's taking Possibly. you that long to answer the question means that's probably <laughs> yes you're lying in bed i'm a, I'm a, I'm a very uh, an emotional person i go off my emotion if, if i'm if mm. you know if i feel like a lion i'll have a lion but no i do like to get up early and start the day off i feel if i do get up earlier i'm more productive so what's your average time waking up this is interesting for me as well yeah this is good well if if i got my gym routine going but you don't have a gym routine book the gym in four <laughs> nights 9 p.m. every morning. 9 p.m. But I mean, that, that sums up Kurt's brain. <laughs> Kurt's gone in the morning, 9 p.m. I'm going. Wait, what? I've missed half the day. Yeah, there you go. That's my routine. No, 9 a.m. I try and hit the gym in the morning if I'm going to the gym. If not, I will wake up at 9 a.m., possibly get out of bed at 10 a.m., possibly start work at 1 p.m. Do you know what? There's nothing worse, in my opinion, than someone that snoozes. I find a snoozer so annoying. That does bug me. If you set an alarm, don't set 10 alarms every yeah. five minutes. That's the thing, because they just keep going off. And I'm a person that if I set my alarm at that time, I will get up at that time. But yeah. I appreciate being in the UK in the summer because the sun does come up so early. So I always like to leave a, a gap in my blinds because I black out blinds. So the original reason why I black out blinds was the, I'm going to work through the night. I need to sleep through the day because when we do like tours or when we're doing Strictly or you don't, your sleep patterns are not normal. So the blackout blinds literally saved my life when I was working through the night and trying to sleep through the day. But now, like, you shut yourself in the foot because now you have to leave them open. Now yeah. I now I leave them open so I can see the sunlight. So I feel like I'm waking up. And Abby, my girlfriend who lives with me, she's like, "Well, I want blackout blinds down so she can sleep throughout the whole bloody day and night." I'm like, "What is happening?" <laughs> I love that, uh, AJ. If you didn't have that structure, then do you think that would affect you like mentally? A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me. Um, I feel like if I'm not ticking off jobs and I'm not kind of getting things done in my life, then mentally I, I do struggle. I struggle to kind of um, just have that kind of get up and go. My fear is like I'm always going to waste time or I'm not going to tick something off. So if somebody sends me, for example, an email or a WhatsApp, because your phone's always attached to you now, which is, is very unhealthy. I do have to say that, but I have to reply to that in the moment on the dot like i feel like if i've if it's taken more than five minutes to reply i i'm i'm gonna miss the opportunity or it's like and that's how my brain works and i think that on one side is is really good and positive for the work side but it's quite hard for me to have that kind of work life kind of balance i do find that hard i like to work 24 7 because i i we've chosen but you see that i hate this when i see it on tiktok there's that real or voice that says I don't work nine to five now. I'm self-employed. So now I work 24 seven. And, yeah. and I hate to say it. <laughs> it's bloody true. When, when you are self-employed, you are nonstop working. 
but I, I appreciate that because yeah. I like to work hard now. So I hopefully in the future, I, well, I tell myself this, then I can take time off in the future whenever I want and do what I want because I've worked really hard when I'm young. But I know that in the future, when I am older, I'll still be the same. I'll still want to work 24 seven. It's bigger hey, businesses. Exactly. Exactly. Right. What I want to do is, oh, hey, I want to rewind then. I want to rewind to growing up when you were wee little boys. Ooh, bringing it back. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's throw it back to I mean, like, down to the child. Boy, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I appreciate the brotherly banter so much, literally. Because this is okay, this is my first ever three-hander on on this podcast, which is also very exciting. But so it's always, it's always very interesting to talk about um kind of growing up and what people's parents were like and in terms of how they how they raised you. So how would you how would you define your childhood? together with your with your parents were they strict on you guys or were they quite lenient did they have high expectations i think with uh dad being a dance teacher and mom also teaching parties keep fit beauty doing all of these things their work hours were never just a nine till five job so that started us off um, i'd say with our work relationship from a young age like we were able to we've always seen our parents work all these different long hours so we've had and our house is our well, was business it was business. Business. It's the studios downstairs we live upstairs so again work life is kind of well it always crosses over there was never a like you're at home because you live at home you go to work you're at work whereas in our scenario it was always that same area same same mentality mm. work is home home is work but definitely our parents loved us having fun we were into extreme sports when we were kids into all of these things mountain boarding snowboarding um go-karting quad biking and our parents loved us to have fun and they always wanted us to never dance that was one of the things they wanted us to be kids and break our arms and do kid things whatever get dirty get messy have fun they never wanted us to dance but then we were always around dancing our dad was an ex-world champion and he always took us to the major dance competitions at blackpool and in all other places and he would be judging them we would always be there in the arcade spending his money, having fun. We'd never actually do the dancing. No. Then an opportunity came up as we grew up, as we got older. And this opportunity to go on TV to do a dance program happened. And this is what got us into the dancing. And our parents were like, hopefully they're not going to continue dancing. But we fell in love with it. And then we took the dancing up. And then they just threw their lives into us. And 100% was focused on the dancing then. Would I say our parents were strict though? I don't know, in different mannerisms, really. I wouldn't say they were ever... We never got grounded and things like that. Yeah, yeah. They always had, not a bad opinion, but a good opinion on this is how you should do this or this is what you should do or or don't maybe eat that if you're going to be doing this. So they're always helping us. And I've been parents, really, good parents. I think it comes down to the child themselves. Like, for, for me, example, um, I was always very, very self-motivated. So when we were dancing and doing all that kind of thing and traveling, I would hate to go on holiday like for me having seven days on holiday 14 days two weeks was like too long away from dancing i was like well how would i be able to keep up my momentum if i'm that and, and like when i would train and practice i'd always be like dad would be like well we need to dance for two minutes each dance so 10 minutes of cardio non-stop i was like well if the competition is going to be two minutes of dance or 10 minutes i need to at least do three minutes of dance so i've got more time and i'm my feet are bleeding and i'm in pain so that when i come to do dance competition i'll be relaxed and happy so i would always go above and beyond so my parents would be like mom would be like oh you can have a break now i'd be like no i can't so i was very self-motivated which definitely applies to how i live my life now 
I think you very much enjoyed having the dance school attached to the house, didn't you? I was well, about to say, yeah. The only way to become number one in the world at something is to do it, eat, sleep mm. and breathe it 24-7. And that is an opportunity we had. So I was like, why am I going to waste having a dance school downstairs and not use the space when it's free? See, I hated that. I hated having a dance school attached to the house because I'm very much a house is your home for relaxing and and doing your homely things, whatever that may be. And then you would go out to an office to work or go out to a dance space to work or do anything. I always and, and still do work much better out of the house. And that's why I always struggled with the dance school in the house. That's really tricky, actually, because you can't... When do you switch off? And it sounds like AJ didn't switch off. Mm, well, we both didn't, really. We were always doing stuff, but I... I feel like I needed that switch off thing. So I would always, every now and again, go out to my friends. That would be my switch off. Go see my mates that were around. Mm. Go to go do something like that, which would just take my mind completely away from being in the work environment and the dance environment and home, and then just do my own fun things and stuff. So that would be my switch off and not coping mechanism, but my, um, you know, my fun period of, of not doing the dancing. Yeah, absolutely. Am I right in saying that you're only one academic year apart? Yes. Yeah. 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 In, in in some ways, that's an absolute blessing at school. In other ways, I have no doubt it's absolute nightmare. But what was that like then? Kind of growing up, being so close in terms of age. Um, did you have each other's backs at school? Like, what was that like? I'd say for me, um, I'd say it probably it's a, it's a better thing for me really being the younger one and having an older brother there. Because yeah. It helps out. You've got an older brother in the school already, so he knows his way around. You know, if you're lost, you can always speak to him makes anything like that easy. If there was somebody around, like in secondary school, we always had the odd, I'm not going to name them, but there's two people which were always, I'm not going to call them bullies, but they were people which just were a nightmare sometimes. And that me being in year seven, perhaps coming in, if they ever, anything happened to me, then I could always go to AJ. Things like that always helped out having a brother in school. Actually, to be fair, I hung around with you in year seven and eight and all your friends for most of it, didn't I? Seven and eight. I had my own friends and stuff, but as always with you and your friends. So for me, there was no know, yeah. disadvantages to actually having you at school whatsoever. But I thought some of them really thought about. There is one thing. I couldn't become head boy in primary school oh, yeah. because you became head boy the year before me. And they said two brothers can't become head boy. They said it looked like favoritism, but oh. rubbish. <laughs> if it's the right person, come on. That's what I say. Exactly. If they're the right person for the job. They deserve the job. Yes. Curtis, you didn't deserve the job, dude. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Little must have been, yeah. Oh, no, what a disaster. I mean, so what age did you guys, when you kind of get fully immersed in terms of the dancing? Um, I think when it was, um, we were 10 and 11 and this kind of um, pilot scheme for this kind of baby ballroom it was came along and thankfully it was never aired, never shown on TV. <laughs> yeah. Did awful, looked crying, probably everything that you don't want to see on awful. TV. Um, <laughs> we but did. the next day, as soon as mum and dad were like, so do you want to continue or do you want to stop? Or, and I said, well, I want to do it. And as soon as I say I want to do something, it's like instantly everything like if i'm going to do something i do it 110 percent, or there's no point doing it so um for me it was from that moment i said yeah i'm going to do it there's like there's no stopping me like sort of thing mentality and that even came down to i remember there was one thing it came to um the only one thing that i remember funnily enough from high school um which put up a weird barrier was that the pe teachers were like well because they had lots of footballers and lots of rugby players in our school that were quite good 
uh, they went, well, dance isn't a sport. I was like, whoa, whoa. I like, I probably like, I was very kind of like headstrong child. I was like, well, okay, you can say that then, doesn't matter. Like I would be the one that would come back in my Mercedes all happy at the end of kind of like done really well. And kind of the footballers and the rugby players hadn't actually made their career of what they thought they were going to do. And I think the school realised that and the PE teachers actually now seeing where I am are kind of quite changed their opinion of what different sports are or what different kids are, are going to do in the future. Because if somebody's going to do something in this day and age, whatever it is, you can make a career out of anything. And I think that's the one positive thing about growing up now. You could say, oh, I like cutting grass. You can make a YouTube yeah. channel about cutting grass, <laughs> yeah. be a millionaire and be happy. Like, and I think that has changed opinion of what is the older generations of being like, well, no, that's not a real job. Well, there is no such thing as a real job or not a real job or the real world or it's whatever your world is, is your real world. I think, and I think that's a positive thing about moving forward. And mm. it's what I say to people, like you can make a living out of anything, just be happy. And if you're going to do it, do it a hundred percent and you will the get process. there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great thing. What you're saying, actually, people should actually look at the person and not the career path they're wanting to take sometimes. Cause we were always compared to each other. Yeah. Whereas I think that's one thing that is kind of very short sighted. Like they see family members or brothers, sisters, same. but they're the same people. Well, no, actually, if you didn't know that they were brothers or if you didn't know that they were sisters or whoever, like, it doesn't matter. You should judge that person as an individual about how they're progressing, how they're yeah. doing good, bad, whatever their traits are. And I think that's something really important that people really do overlook sometimes. And that's that's something working in the TV industry I've noticed definitely um, because we always do a lot of things together now. And it's kind of explaining to people, well, we are brothers, but we're two very different people and have two very different passions. Like you would do because that's what humans are. Everybody's unique. Everyone is individual. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, just going off from that, from that school thing in terms of like your teachers, PE teachers, what was that like in terms of dance being discussed amongst maybe your peers as well? Was there, was there, because I, I work at a school now as well. And I, I think that it would be fully, fully embraced and accepted. It's a, like a, it's a primary school here. So it's like, I think yeah. that any discussion of that now, if, if one of the guys was doing dance full time, everyone would be like, oh my God, that is the sickest thing. Yeah, definitely. What's that toxic, ma was there ever any toxic masculinity at school, like discussing that? Like, because I know that there's like, that, you know, they, they, they don't quite fully comprehend it. And they go, oh, that's so whatever. You're, that's so boring. Yeah, if you're coming into uh, school on a Monday with uh, a dodgy fake tan oh that you put on from a competition God. on a Sunday, elaborate, the... AJ. What was our fake tan like on a Sunday? So we just had to. So basically, the shirts that we wore were V's in our dance. Like you'd see on Strictly Come Dancing, you'd see them go for their, yeah, their spray yeah. tans. But Boom. we would try off fake tans would probably not be so premium. Well, we would only do ones. our chest. And we'd only do our chest. So you'd have just a oh, no. fake tan. The reverse lorry done. driver. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So imagine going into a PE class, getting changed and just a V fake tanned on your chest in the boys' changing room. And people would stay, say stuff and people would be like, why are you doing this or that? Or there'd be like sarky court sort of co comments. But I think as soon as we got to say... I was like, well, I'm going to Italy to represent my country because I'm number yeah. one in the UK <laughs> and I'm trying to become number one in the world. They'd be like, oh, you're traveling the world and you're doing it. And then when you'd be like, yes, yeah, so I've just become European champion. 
And they'd be like, what? Actions speak louder than words. And I think that like sort that. of kind of like headstrong child being like, it's hard. Like I'm somebody who's like, well, I'm going to do it. I don't care what anybody's saying. Like, I don't care. But if you're somebody that does take that to heart, I, I would feel very sad for them because I can imagine a lot of dancers or people that would have been really good in the dance world would have given up because of people or certain areas um, probably don't bring that positivity. But I think definitely from now, primary school, secondary school, and the market that's out there, you could even use the word TikTok, that sort of, I hate to say it, but it does come back down to money. Like you can see the careers that people have made out of doing 15 second videos, mm. which half it's not even real dancing. And you're like, but Fantastic. how the hell have they made a career? But they have. And I think these sort of yeah. openings kind of open people's eyes much more. And you'll have your top football players like, Jesse Lingard now joins TikTok and doing dancing. Raheem Sterling doing TikTok, doing dancing. Like it, it's like the complete role reversal of 10 years. Like you'd be like, no, no, that's never going to happen. Whereas now it's like, that's their, they make more money from doing TikTok than playing football sometimes. I think Strictly and things like that have definitely helped. Yeah, mainstream TV. Broaden the horizon on dancing and open people's eyes to it and, and, the career that you can have with it. I think that's helped a lot, definitely. But definitely as a, a child, it was hard, but I think it's changed now for the positive. So definitely, I, I always think if there's a positive, I take the positive. If there's a negative out there, I, I don't even bother. If it's a constructive criticism, I will take it on board. If it's something which it's is not you, so is it, random, <laughs> so pathetic that somebody said because they're a keyboard warrior, I just don't even think about it. Or if somebody said it to my face, I just don't respond, don't think about it. And how I got through school, if anyone did ever say anything to me, for example, if I'd I had that, yeah, that <laughs> yeah. or if I had that V of fake tan, I would say, I would think to myself, yeah, I do look ridiculous. And I would laugh about it. Like, yeah, I'd be like, sure. you know what? That isn't normal, but I'm doing it for the career that I've chose, the passion I love to do. And I'm representing England in the world whilst doing it. So I'm happy to look like that and have somebody say that because the progression in my career is much better than, well, other people at that point so I was happy you know I was loving life when did you first become aware of your own mental health <sighs> I would say quite late I would say in a way like because I've always been a very positive person so I've just gone through things in a positive light and always thought we're not having to walk miles to drink fresh water so I've always thought we're in a good position if you know what I mean um and then I'd say as I've got older, I've started to realize my own mental health and things that I need to sometimes do to settle myself or ground myself. Let's say I'm a bit nervous or a bit anxious because I'm about to do something new. I know if I close my eyes for five minutes now, just breathe in, breathe out, I can calm myself, relax myself, and I know I'll then perform much better after it. So I'd say as I've got a bit older, I've, I've learned to handle myself and my mental health. Sorry to interrupt the episode. But a quick word from our series sponsor, RCK Partners. If you're looking to take advantage of R&D tax credits to boost your business's cash flow, RCK Partners can help you. Simply head to rck.partners or follow the link in the podcast description. Now let's get back to the podcast. I, I think it's probably much younger than what you think, Curtis, because we were in primary school and we, um, a very small primary school. So we had like 20 kids in the class, if that, like 15 maybe. And um, 
we lost two people in the same year at primary school being how old were we were okay, so subconsciously then they so, created the start of it yeah, yeah so we lost uh, one of the friends was uh, shared a birthday with curtis she had leukemia and then there was another kid in a year group below um who had a freak accident unfortunately and passed away and mm-hmm. there was a, another boy in kircher that had half a heart and was supposed to die at the age of well nine then ten then eleven then twelve and he's now like 23 or well, something i just went to his wedding you just went ago, to his wedding actually, yeah. yeah which was very so weird. dealing yeah, with amazing. loss very very young and actually going to the funeral and acknowledging what life is and what death is i think that kind of helped us and um we were one of the only kind of kids that went to the funeral and all the other kids didn't go to the funeral but because we kind of dealt with it in our own way and kind of saw what life is and what death is and what a funeral actually stands for we didn't have nightmares whereas all the other kids in the school who didn't go to funeral had nightmares they couldn't understand why their friend was there one day and their friend wasn't there the next day and i think from there onwards we had an appreciation for life very much so mm. and i think when it comes down to mental health and maybe kind of talking to a psychiatrist or that kind of side of stuff that I originally was like one of them kind of guys that'd be like, no, I'll never talk to a psychiatrist. I'm never going to need that. Um, actually having the accident with Abby over a year ago now and actually talking to somebody and going through the situation and having a different opinion on um, kind of talking to somebody is a helpful way for you to de-scramble your mind and put things into order um, has definitely helped. And I, that's only me being, what, 26, 27 now. So I think early on, we appreciated life because of a certain milestone <laughs> and marking. But actually later on in life for me, being 26, 27, talking to a psychiatrist and understanding that I needed help and not being a hypocrite, being saying, Abby, you need to talk to somebody, but they're not actually taking their own advice in your own kind of area would have been the most awful for myself. Um so definitely later on in life in the aspect of actually talking to somebody. And I think it's really important to talk to somebody because it's just about having that for, for me personally, having just, um, just, I don't know what you describe it as Throwing being able to pressure. That's well, just throw, throwing something at a wall and then, throwing something else at a wall and you throw all these things at a wall and like some things stick, some things don't stick, but you've got it off your chest. So you've relieved, you've, you kind of got rid of that weight that was kind of holding you back. Maybe it's a gas canister that you keep filling up and if you don't release it, it will blow up. It's the best way of looking at it. Uh, I don't like that description, but you can have that one. <laughs> it's a great way of looking at it. <laughs> That's your description. It's a gas canister. It's filling up and you have to release some of it by talking it, getting it out of your body to allow more good things and other things to fill back off. Okay, that's Kurt's description. That's not mine, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's no. I think it's really important, as you say, AJ. Actually, it's like therapy gives you that clarity because I don't think you. How often does somebody, unless you're very self-conscious and you sit down and you do do breathing exercises, you do meditate, are you self-aware of your own feelings and kind of kind of you pinch yourself and you go, "You're here in the moment, here right now. How am I actually feeling?" And yeah, as you say, it does all build, it does build up to an extent. I'm not going full gas canister here, but it does build up in the sense that you don't know how to release it and you don't know what your outlet is. And speaking to that someone can help tremendously. Yeah, and we did a um something with Marie Curie, it was about brief bereavement, and it was talking to different people who had different losses and some of people how they dealt with the loss. And the thing is with loss, everything is always different. Like you can have somebody 
dies suddenly, you're not prepared for it. Or for example, our grandma passed away. She was 90 odd. We thought she had an extra eight years in her. She got dementia. She, we'd prepared ourselves for her death. Well, unfortunately, five, six years before she passed away. So when she passed away, it was, it was okay. It sounds awful, but it was okay because we'd already said our goodbyes multiple times for so many years. So we, we deal with situations differently. And I think each person's situation is very different. And it's very hard to kind of say to somebody, you understand how they feel, but we've gone through loss sudden unexpected, freak accidents, death when it's kind of expected. So we can kind of say to people, like, we understand how you feel because we've been in that situation and and it's quite quite unheard of, or maybe not, I don't know. We're so young in reality, we're only 27 now, but um, we've dealt with so, so much in our life and actually being able to talk to other people and doing a lot with um, Chelsea and Westminster Hospital now and doing a lot with mental health and young people over these past two years, being locked away in their rooms and being able to get out of their rooms and how to deal with the pressures of life itself out there. And we try and help people as much as we can because when we help other people or with Abby, for instance, she helps other people. It helps us as well deal with our situations. I think that's something very important that people forget like, Yes, we are doing things to help other people, but it's helping us as well. And I'd be lying if I said it wasn't. It is also a bit slightly, what, what's what's the word? Like, it's, it's selfish in a way. It's like, kind of like, I'm, I'm helping no, other people. Self-rewarding. Self-rewarding, selfish. Mm. I don't know. People people have different opinions of it, but I'm going to be open and honest. I'm, if I'm helping somebody else deal with the situation, I'm probably helping myself in some way at the same time. But I don't and think I'm that's selfish open about at all. That. I don't think that's selfish at all. I think like no, yeah. that's, that's part of the reward, isn't it? Like you're helping yeah. somebody else and you go, right, hang on a minute. That's, that's why it's such a nice feeling, isn't it? Because you're helping somebody and you go, hang on a minute. This is actually quite a good feeling for me. I know I help people because it makes me feel good. Yeah. yeah. And we do a lot with charities. Like I even got a phone call yesterday from UNICEF to say, which I've even forgot about. I have a direct debit going out my account each month for a certain amount of money. And they said, thank you very much for the direct debit. And they were calling me on the phone. I was like, I don't really have any time to talk with them. say, Thank you for this. And, do, and then actually I was like, oh, I'm going to leave that direct debit because I know it's helping people and they equivalented equivalent of however many gallons mm. of water that was clean, fresh water to people that needed it. And we do a lot of work with another app called We Are Eight. And it's about, it's a fantastic app actually. You should check it out. And you watch an advert, you get paid for watching the advert and you pay that money forward to your chosen charity. Like loads of different charities. It's there. fantastic. Oh, and, and there's really? so many of these like, B corporation companies that are setting the standards moving forward about actually being a company that is, it does make money, but at the end of the day, it makes money for so many millions of charities out there and helps so many billions of people. And knowing that you're doing that and having fun at the same time, it's brilliant. It makes you feel good. And I think it comes back down to what you just said, like your mental health, what is it that makes you happy for me i love going to the gym i love releasing good endorphins i have to do it every single day i've done it today like no like every single day i do and it, it's just about finding something that works for you and when you do you kind of like yeah i can conquer the world now i can i can do my tasks or whatever that may be yeah i think that's, that's bang on like what, what curtis what would you say your coping mechanism is or something where you kind of are making sure that you're looking after yourself so for me, I would say it is 
talking to my friends is the biggest coping mechanism if i am ever going through anything talk to my family talk to my friends talk to the people closest to me the most important people around me could be my granddad but i would say for me i like to meditate and do things like that you know um i do like to work out i go in and out of routines of working out i love when i work out to set myself routine that i go every morning if i'm going to the gym it would be in the morning i'd set myself an alarm wake up hit the gym and then i'd do some meditating straight after and that would set me up for the day to make me feel very good if i don't hit the gym i will try and make sure i get some natural sunlight because being self-employed <clears throat> does mean you can go out a lot because you have more free time but if you're working it does mean you're inside a lot more sometimes cooped up on your own so it's get out get some sunlight and go on a walk and spend time with my girlfriend these are my coping mechanisms to to get through the life that we've chose really being in the public eye being out there and to enjoy things right i'm gonna go <clears throat> strictly then i'm gonna go love island all right first things first what part of strictly do you actually miss aj apart from obviously not the late nights <laughs> <laughs> no i think for me it's um as you've probably gathered by now, I love putting my time and energy into projects. Mm. And for me, I'm always happy as long as I'm using my energy in a positive way, moving forward with whatever that may be. Um, the one part I do miss about Strictly, I always love doing the arena tour. So you do the whole of Strictly. Um, we as pros would start at the beginning of August and we'd finish towards mid-December. And you are exhausted, obviously, by the end of it. And like a crazy person, I would always do a pantomime for them three weeks off. And then I'd finish the pantomime on like a Sunday night and I'd start rehearsals for the arena tour on Monday morning. And um, the great thing about the arena tours that's so different about the show, on the show, I am teaching somebody. I am fundamentally being a life coach to them on a Monday morning, picking them up from what's had maybe a bad result on the Sunday teaching them the routine by Wednesday, they feel like emotionally distraught. They're never going to get this routine for 12 million people live on Saturday. And then by the time it comes to Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'm building them up mentally. I'm like, they can conquer the world. They they're faster than Usain Bolt. They can run further than Mo Farrow, whatever it is. I don't care. I'm going to make them feel like they are God. So that by the time they perform live, when they're most exhausted, on a Saturday, that they are the bee's knees. They are going to conquer the world. And then it's like, okay, if they do really well, great. Most of the time, it doesn't always go so well. <laughs> so then you're like, damn it. Then they're broken back down to the knees. So it's quite emotionally hard to keep them at a high. And it's a, it's a roller coaster every single week. But the thing is about doing the tour, that is so different about doing the show, that is both are live. Both have got, well, one's got 12 million viewers. So if you know you mess up, you're going to be YouTube sensation for all the wrong reasons. But when you do the tour, there is no pressure. There is no pressure whatsoever. You go out there, people have bought tickets to watch you and they are just, they just want to see you have fun. So you can go out there, you can scream, you can, you can grab the mic, you can say, let's do a Mexican wave for the O2. And it is the best feeling in the world, knowing that the the pro themselves has no pressure, really. And the celebrity themselves has no pressure. So they have the time of their life and they feel like a rock star. So I feel like as a professional, like you, you, you get to drop a lot of stress of worrying about your partner so much, about making sure that everything's correct. As long as they've got the shoes, they should be good. But the uh, arena tour should make sure they've got their own shoes. 
Um, so you can just go out there and have fun. So definitely the touring side, the fun side, the, uh, the stress is gone and all you're going to do is smile and wave and just kind of take the energy in. Has your partners ever forgot their shoes? Yeah, my partners, I feel like I get the partners always forget their shoes. It's a nightmare. <laughs> oh Saffron, I love you, but you were the you were worst. Say Saffron, then. <laughs> Saffron was the worst. Oh my God. But the best in so many ways, but oh, she stressed me out sometimes. Uh, but I love she her. She was lovely, Saffron was. Her and the whole family. Oh, yeah, she's brilliant. Lovely. She's great. The Barkers, hilarious. <laughs> I mean, I've spoken to a few few other people who have been on Love Island, Curtis, about yes. that, that support and structure of mental health. It's interesting mm-hmm. to, to think and look at it, AJ, from Strictly's perspective, because it sounds like it's absolutely draining for you in terms of that support that you have to give that other person. Yes, What's it is, that definitely. support like? Because I know that, Curtis, when you were in, there was, that, there was still that, there was that infrastructure in Love Island when you came out of that support, producers calling you after. And I spoke to, you know, Adam the other day, from this series and and how much it's stepped up uh, and you know how persistent it is when they're even in the villa every single day they have to go sit down on a half an hour zoom and chat to a psychiatrist you know it's crazy oh wow yeah it's like they've really that, that's crazy they, they stepped they, up that much they have upped it because how it was when i was on there so i did season well, five strictly 2019 the four years that i did from the first year it was like oh there's a psych available but by the time i finished the four years that i did and i was very happy like then the psych was like so if you want to call like you've got free lifetime cover like i don't yeah. know if he's been paid by the hour i don't know but it's like <laughs> i give you a call each week if you need it um yeah this is for like life and the same with um i'm a celebrity the aftercare is fantastic we've just done another tv show which will be coming out soon the aftercare is fantastic and it, it, it's it's very good to know that that aftercare is there um for everybody and it's very important that the aftercare is followed up with pre-care i don't know if that's the right word you yeah. you obviously take a psychiatrist mm. take a psychiatrist test i don't know you talk to a psychiatrist to check that you are okay before you even enter tv shows and i think that's really important as well because mm. yeah because when i was on love island so season five 2019 we didn't have to talk to a psych every single day being in there no zoom that's calls. a lot we didn't have to do that but we could 24 hours a day whenever we wanted Pick to talk to up. a psych no, there was somebody there on on base on okay. hand that we could go and talk to. We could sit in a room with them and talk to them. And then up till today now, I could still be having aftercare. I could be having it for the rest of my life if I wanted it from Love Island. Now, before my season, I don't know if that was the same situation, the same cases. But from mine, I know the aftercare was up to the max. We could see anybody whenever we wanted and we still can up till today see anybody whenever we want and i do have to say there's a lot of negativity that comes around a lot of reality tv shows love island for so many different reasons um strictly i'm a celeb not so much in reality but the one thing that i think is really great is the people that go onto these shows want to go on these shows and i think we have to remember that but they don't always realize what the show actually they, they, they don't understand don't. the repercussions of it I think. yeah they don't understand sometimes but the reason why they want to go on there because they wanted to. Mm. For example, this year, two, three people, Jacks, who pulled out, like they had the wholehearted honesty to say that this is not feeling right for myself. And they stepped off the show. And I think that's really good that they felt like they could. The show obviously allowed them to, if anything. And at the end of the day, nobody backlash came to them and said, well, Jack's left because he wanted to go on holiday somewhere else. Well, no, everybody understood that it's 
people's understanding of these shows <clears throat> understand that it is a lot on them. And I think and that's changed a lot now, the opinion of the shows. And with Love Island, definitely, um, it's a very tedious show that you do not realise. <laughs> yeah. Because the chats that you're doing, they last from one hour to three hours. Each chat you do, the game shows, they last from one hour to four hours. And all of these things, and you've got to think, you've got the audience watching you. Then you think, do I like this girl? Do I love this girl? Do I like that girl that's now come in? What's the audience going to think? And these are things that go through people's heads in there. Because I, I spoke to It everyone. drives you mad. Yeah, and, and it's slowly, each day, a bit of tiredness kicks in as well. But all of these thoughts and emotions slowly drain your tank day after day after day in that place. And when you've been in there for nine weeks it becomes hard and it becomes very long. And if you don't look after yourself and either talk to somebody or try and do the things that you enjoy doing, that's when people start to struggle in there and realize this isn't the place for me. Every big TV show, when people see it, the one thing I would say to them, if they ever want to go on it or do anything, would be like, one, it's it's TV. TV (laughs) is waiting, waiting for everything, waiting to be told to go in waiting to do a conversation, waiting to do a game show, waiting to do the right moment, waiting, hold that conversation. Cameras aren't ready. That's one of the biggest things. Then do the conversation. It's everything is always waiting. And when somebody's, when you're told somebody in their normal day life, wait, yeah, but it's, just, just wait. It's not just you start that. questioning everything in your head. It's let's say <laughs> we're angry at each other or upset at each other, which is even worse sometimes. You and forget you really why you're upset with somebody. Well, no, the waiting just draws that emotion out, and having that emotion built up and inside you for let's say a whole day, you're exhausted by the end of it. Yeah. And this is what people don't realize is hard on TV as well. It is a waiting game. You can't just randomly roam and have conversations freely. It's TV. It has to be orchestrated to a certain element. Yeah, there's a storyline there. Yeah. Or else it wouldn't be good to watch. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Right, Curtis, I'll ask you as the outsider perspective on this. Strictly curse, yes or no? Is it real? Uh, 100% real Strictly Curses. It's one of it's more of a dating show than Love Island Strictly is. And I'll tell you, <laughs> that it honestly, genuinely is. It, so I did Dance with the Stars for three years. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the Irish version of Strictly and fantastic program. But imagine this. So you're learning a new skill. You're with an incredibly attractive professional woman or professional guy. And then you're up close and personal with them nonstop. Now, this person is almost like your leader, somebody that's in charge of you, they're teaching you. So you almost naturally, you feel slightly not under them, but you feel like I'm in awe of this person, learning from them. So I love this person already because they're helping me. And then you add the touch element. You get close to each other 12 hours a day and you're touching hands. Your faces are constantly close together. You start feeling these excited emotions and feelings just from the dancing because it's all acting then you confuse these with actual emotions of love and lust for other things and then this is where the strictly curse kicks in i think a lot of time like when you say it's if you're single you're single hey have a good time whatever but yeah. what i would say is to anybody that's going on the show in a relationship side like it's a fantastic show but if there are cracks in your relationship already, don't do it. It's just going <laughs> to make the cracks more obvious. I'm being paid <laughs> to teach you. I'm being paid fundamentally to hold the door, carry your bag, make your life perfect. I'm being paid to do all of that and to get you a drink, to make sure that you're 
relaxed. Like I always went above and beyond. So like I would feel like I had to do that because that's the way we've been brought and up. And the rumba, the dance of love, looking in each other's no, eyes. The rumba's constantly. the least romantic dance. But, but it's different things. Like the nightmare week. Yeah, but when you're constantly looking in somebody's eyes, it's just these things which go cross-eyed, which create chemical <laughs> reactions in your body, and it creates the animalistic part of the human instinct which wants to get with somebody, reproduce, and be happy. I think I think it's just it's just cracks. And if mm. there's something that's already not good in your relationship, it's just going to heighten that scenario. Mm, sure. I think that's the best single line sentence yeah. to describe that scenario. So is it true? Yes. <laughs> if, if, you, if you're having relationship troubles, do not go on Strictly. <laughs> yeah. Should come with a big disclaimer. Do yeah, not yeah, literally. <laughs> well, literally, like the names have just been announced to Strictly this year. And I'd... <laughs> I, go on, I, I'm go not going to say anything on. because I've not, I've not even. Seen I just feel like there's so many world. good people out there that I'd be like, oh my god, this person would be brilliant. That person would be yeah, brilliant. This and then, the enjoyable like, thing about Strictly, some of the people that perhaps you don't know, or it's from different programs which you don't watch or something, and then you see them grow. You see this journey, and that's. But what I'd prefer love. to see the person that I already know grow in the journey for more. Yeah, swings and roundabouts. Yeah, true. I think like I think I read a, an article the other day, being like, oh, they're running out of people to ask and i was literally reading it and i was thinking no they're bloody not no there's literally there's there's an exhaustive list of people who'd no doubt be putting their hands up to go on it i mean how does it i I don't know if you know like how how does it work in terms of who they pick is it the producers going to people or do you think that there are people that would actually actively go to bbc and or yeah yeah, both 100 people like hey like the agents and the people themselves like hey I want to go on it. You need this person. My client's great, blah, 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 whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, it's the producer, um, the exec of the channel, yeah. uh, the commissioners of the TV shows themselves. Like It's a massive like decision. of Yeah, and also what's going to make good TV, right? Yeah. Good <clears throat> TV, I think, has... Was I mean, the, 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 the producers are so. having their fingers so crossed that Helen Skelton's having a serious romance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I spoke to her the other day and she didn't say anything actually because um, she was at Carfest Curse. Um, I think she's going to be great. Who who do you partner her up with, AJ? She's small, isn't she? This is a thing on Strictly as well. The partners go off height. Gorka, I can imagine what? her being So it's great. all done on height, nothing well, else? I mean, it's not all done on height, but you've got to think. <laughs> but I, I can't dance with AJ a, a supermodel, can I? That puts you in a bit of a tricky situation, AJ. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it does make a difference high. I can wear Cuban here, but two and a half inches probably all, all it's going to get me. Saying, AJ, keep your eyes up. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah keep your eyes up, AJ. My head's up, honestly. <laughs> uh, but no, I think um, Gorka and Helen Skelton, they would be a great match. Um, and both kind of, I think, would probably have that same sort of mentality. And Helen Skelton, like Blue Peter, like mm. she was thrown into everything. Like she's, surely she's got no fears whatsoever. Yeah, 100%. Oh, I tell you what, did you ever get a Blue Peter badge? This is obviously going yes. off topic. Did yes. you get one? Oh, oh my God, yeah. I performed I on Blue Peter and I did this like jive from Britain's Got Talent. It was brilliant, but it was like one of the weirdest things ever. I went and then somebody was trying to change the light in the ceiling and he fell from the ladder. He was fine. He broke his hip and broke his leg, but he was fine. But then <laughs> the producers were like, so we don't know if you're going to be scarred for life knowing that you're going to perform after somebody's broke the leg and the hip. I was like, I've just seen it. It makes no difference if I perform or not. So I was like, I want to perform. We did it live. Brilliant. Great memory. Hilarious. I'll never forget it. But at the end of the day, I wanted my badge, so I had to perform. It's like my hip action in that performance is the best it's ever been. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my word right let's switch let's switch over to love island then curtis what do when you look back on it do you reflect on that as a positive experience and like a good thing that happened or yeah, are there things that you think you would you would have changed when you were in there no, I look back at it on as a positive performance. Honestly, I, I, I performance. <laughs> yeah, great performance. I mean, no pos- positive um, experience and everything in there. Um, it, it honestly changed my life. So I was on Dance with the Stars for three years before that, and then I went on to um, Love Island. And honestly, I went from like twenty odd thousand followers to came off with one and a half million Instagram followers. Like it does boost your career drastically. My journey in the villa was a roller coaster. It had ups, it had downs, it had lefts and blimmin' rights. Um, would I have changed anything? Not really, if you want the honest truth. Maybe, maybe, if I'm really thinking about it, I wouldn't have thrown all of my eggs into one basket at the start. Perhaps maybe have taken a little bit longer and got to know more people instead of sticking with one person at the start. But at that moment in time, it felt right. So I went with it. So in reality, if I went back, I would probably do the same thing again. Yeah, I probably would. I loved it. It was I mean, good. You, you've both now got like heaps of Instagram followers and in terms of just other social medias uh, as well. How conscious are you of what you post in terms of having that responsibility? Because you've got young audiences that are viewing your stuff and I, you know, people can get it wrong. How conscious are you of kind of what you're posting? Actually, to be fair, think about it, I am. So have you have you seen a TikTok or the video going around at the min where people fill their mouths up with water and then they get like a pit of bread and they <laughs> slap each other? Yeah, quality. Yeah. So um, my girlfriend wanted to do that with me. And I said to her, I said, I can't do that. People will say that I'm beating you if I've hit her with a wrap across the face or somewhere. And for the first In context, time, if you wrote it down, yeah, like, I thought to myself, I can't blimmin' slap you. One, I feel bad slapping you with a pit of bread, and two, it looks <laughs> bad. So therefore, I thought about what is the audience going to say and what are they going to do about it. So yeah, it does affect you what you post, having yourself hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, no, I, I always consider what I'm posting. I try. We're not. There's so bad many things people, that I could though. post that would be hilarious. That'd be a bit maybe x-rated things which have unfortunately come from tiktok or don't the things that are funny like they're like you're like oh that's actually quite funny and i'm like well nah i don't think that's i mean right this is getting post. onto a whole other subject though like comedy and stuff like what mm. you can use in that's comedy the problem like 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 when you i think something's funny i don't want to say people funny, are too but somebody will be like oh well why why have you done that i'm like it was Com- a joke i feel comedy should be an element that is allowed to express and really cross the boundaries yeah that's a whole nother conversation Doing when you watch it like if you sit down to watch a comedy show of a certain person you like i don't want ricky gervais that whoever it may be like filter i bought a ticket to see him be funny and not be like oh no i can't do that joke i don't want to do see him joke. filter himself because of his art and his amazing talent and what he does they've yeah. gone completely off Sorry, yeah. but, you, but you know what i mean like like i feel like everything's becoming so cancel culture that you're like yeah oh my God, it is isn't it i can't have an opinion and then if i have an opinion then why have you got an opinion on this you should have an opinion on that and and that's one thing i do think is quite sad about us in our positions slightly i feel like sometimes you do become a bit vanilla whereas you're like well i want a bit of chocolate chip but now yeah. i just stick to being a bit vanilla because because you can't offend any of the chocolate chip people one the one thing is you can't please everybody in the in the world yeah, that we exactly. live in because everybody has a different opinion and somewhere somewhat it will clash with you. But the main thing is, is I couldn't imagine to... being in school right now. 
Imagine yeah. being in school right now. It'd be a Toxic. nightmare. Do what makes you happy and what you enjoy and what puts a smile on your face. That's all I'm going to say to people out there. So we're going to see a pit of bed, a pitter bread video later of me (laughs) yourself i'm pretty sure i'm I'm, I'm, just a point of information here i'm pretty sure it's a wrap not a pita bread i'm pretty sure if you hit her with a pita bread you knock her out mate (laughs) i got a french roll i have (laughs) that's why i take my baguette (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh my word right i've got to ask you when it gets to christmas when you guys go home and you're sat around the table does it ever does it ever get ever ever get a bit like i've done this i've done that do you get that competitive element in terms of your lives or are you actually kind of because you're such a tight brotherly it's more recap yeah i've never been i forget what i've done in the year i'd like to i'm a celebrity that's one of the programs you've done which i would definitely like to do but bar that really we've not been we've never like been i've done this you've not done this type thing it's just oh no we've done done this it's not it's never a one-up thing christmas or usually what we do pantomime for christmas Christmas, it's more we usually do a christmas dinner like in january because it's more like oh my god i can't believe we did that tv show or we did this or we did um this charity thing. It's not. We, it's normally what's next. What are we doing next? Yeah. Actually? No, no. You know, <laughs> everybody does that. Like end of year post. Like I'm so grateful to have done this this year. I'm like, I can't even remember what I did last week, let alone at the beginning of the year. I have to scroll through Instagram and be like, oh yeah, I did that TV show or I did this or we filmed that. And I think that's one thing that's quite nice. You're like, well, we did do a lot this year, but now we need to do this yeah. this year. Just happy I've made it another year now. <laughs> I've literally said here, my next question is what does the future hold? Curtis, when are you on I'm a Celeb? <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, it's all signed. I think I'm on this year. <laughs> no, I, I wish. No, I don't know. I'd you love would to be do it. I would love really to do on it. that TV show. Fabulous show. Not Fabulous. in Wales. In, in Heading out to Oz. Yeah. yeah, that would be brilliant. And, I, and you know what? Because you I, ask so many questions. Like on on, I, on um, I'm a Celeb, I mean, on uh, Love Island, you asked so many questions that yeah. it was hilarious. Yeah, well, I'm just an inquisitive person. I like to, you know, just talk to people pretty much. That's why I that, think that I work. person, you, I'm trying to say, on I'm a Celeb would be brilliant. And I truthfully don't feel any of the tasks would scare me, okay? Right, I I'm, I don't think they would. But it's this not is tasks, the, it's the talking that makes more insane. No, but tasks, I, I yeah, but it's a task which people are like, oh my God, I could never do that. I don't think they would scare me, and that's why I would like to tr- like like to try it. Yeah, I feel like I think there would be one. <laughs> well, no, because I honestly think I would be fine, and then all of a sudden, something would just catch me out. It's the smell, and I don't know do. what it would be. And then all of a sudden, I would crap myself. Eating and something eating. would go. Yeah, I think eating. I'd throw up straight oh. away. Actually, oh, actually, we've done some forfeits for a project we did a while ago. You did not. Every well. eating challenge I did, well, I threw up. I just threw up. If it was a spoonful of mustard to, to strumming that horrible smelly fish to the world's hottest chili, I threw up every time. Every time. Oh, I bet you were popular. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> in, oh, in AJ's flat as well. <laughs> oh, nice even worse. Oh, no. So what, what is it then, when you look, look ahead, you've got opportunities ahead of you. What is it that you want to achieve the most? What is That's that it. goal? What's the end goal? Something the end goal is to have our own TV program, host it, be presenting it, having fun on there, some game show, and uh, also owning the rights to it and selling it across the world. <laughs> you know, that always be lovely as well. Right, right now we're putting a lot of time and effort into our YouTube channel, which is Bros Talk Supercars. It's kind of 
um, going to different car events, driving cars. We just got a race license, actually. So we've been doing some racing. And really, like cars have always been a passion, but we've never really had time to do it. And after the pandemic and the world opened up more so now, we're like, well, let's do it. Let's We put a video out every single week, two videos out a week sometimes. Um, and we're loving it. We're loving building a new audience and having fun and doing things that we just love driving expensive fast cars to be honest any cars yeah so definitely that's like a that's, massive yeah, thing that is what we are focused on now. at the end of the day we're entertainers we're presenters we want to be presenting we want to be doing more entertaining and hosting red carpets is always fun and daytime tv actually sounds so boring when you say daytime tv but actually it's so fun because you talk about the most randomest things like Yesterday, I had Judge Rinder on GMB talking about hair loss or, or going grey. I was Judge like, how random, GMB, Judge Rinder, Rob. Like, it was just like, daytime TV is quite funny, actually. And then also, you know, just to cap it all off, I'd love to be in a film as well. Oh, oh very good. Throw that out there, you know, just... Just something small. A bit of salt to sprinkle on the old dinner there. Tom, you heard it here, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> so my final question that I ask every guest uh, and guests, plural, that come on the show is, what does the word headstrong mean to you? Headstrong means to me somebody who commits to what they say and creates actions in a strong way. So if they say and they want to do something and it makes them happy, and it doesn't matter about what the world around them is doing. They'll go for that, whatever it may be. It could be painting. It could be doing a math mathematician equation. It could be go-karting. Whatever it is that you enjoy doing, you stick to it and you ignore and forget what anybody else says. And you don't let the world around you affect you doing what you love to do. And that's being headstrong and confident in yourself, your body and what you do in my eyes. Yeah, I think headstrong to me means quite simply, I will achieve it. Whatever anybody else says, does obstacles, ups, downs, left, right, it's like, I'll get there. It doesn't matter. It's the, it's, it's the only way I approach life. Like when I start dancing, I'll become world champion. Well, I'll do it. Like, what's going to stop you? The only thing that's going to stop you is yourself. So I will get there. Being headstrong, believing in what you want to do and not letting the knocks knock you down. 100%. Chaps, yeah. thank you so much for joining me on, on this episode. I really enjoyed this chat. Uh, I wish you all the very best in the future. Uh, and uh, I, I feel like I need to ask you, like, yeah. what, what's your, what's your yeah. though obviously you talk to so many people, yeah. what's your version of what's Headstrong uh, mean to you? So well, when I talk about Headstrong, I define it as believing in yourself, mm. uh, talking about your vulnerabilities and reinforcing your self-worth. Yeah. Sweet. I like, Which I is that, exactly yeah. how I define it. That's how I put it in all my emails to my sponsors. I think with Headstrong, it sometimes has negative connotations in terms of it. it's almost that determination where you have the blinkers down and you don't acknowledge other people. Hmm. And you, know, you just want to get to the end goal. Whereas actually, I think that being Headstrong is you have, you're almost self, self-aware of, of mm. yourself. You know, I think you need, you, need, you need to be emo aware of yeah. your emotions, as you say. You've got to actually understand your own mental health. Because sometimes if you overreact to something or you get angry to something, if you actually were watching that situation, is that appropriate behavior? Or is mm. that like, if you are actually aware of yourself, you're like, absolutely, that's just, you've got you to really just 
hone it in, take control. And it's just that control element, I think, um, of everything that you do. And I think that that's really... So taking accountability for all of your actions. Yeah, but... definitely. I think it's really important. And also, I think something that I'm... Obviously, we, we actually haven't talked about it, but it's just one of those things where for a guy, especially, I think it's so important to talk about your emotions. I'm a very, very emotional yeah. person. And I, I, I will happily talk about if I've had a bad day or a good day, if I'm feeling down. And I think that's really, really important. And I think there is, especially that older generation, just refuse to talk about their emotions and feelings and they bottle it up yeah. to the point where, you know, well, let's go full gas canister. They will just explode, you know, and it's not, it's not healthy. Yeah. No, I think yeah, we agree more. No, I think it, agree more. I think the one point you said was really good, the, the accountability for your actions, positive, negative, like I've done this good, I've done this bad. Like how would you look at yourself from from the third person? Yeah, I think it's really interesting. Yeah, it's a very high, yeah, yeah. That's a whole other that's a whole other episode. There's a whole other <laughs> podcast. Guys, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. No, honestly, thank you so much. So great to talk to you. And yeah, yeah uh, it's so good to hear your opinion yeah. of what Headstrong was as well. Yeah, it makes us think as well. Yeah, it's great to talk to you. That's Love great. it. A huge, huge thank you to AJ and Curtis Pritchard for joining me on the podcast. It's been great to have them on. I really enjoyed chatting to them and indeed seeing their dynamic and how they work. It's so interesting that they had the same upbringing but have such different perspectives and outlooks on life which is really interesting and i thank them for coming on if you've enjoyed this episode please do hit follow subscribe and share it with your family and friends it really does help podcasts like mine i will see you next week for another episode of headstrong Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.